This is the second chapter of Percy Jackson, The Sea of Monsters. We check into CC Spa and Resort. I woke up in a rowboat with a makeshift sail stitched of gray uniform fabric. Annabeth sat next to me, tacking into the wind. I tried to sit up and immediately felt woozy. Rest, she said. You're going to need it. Tyson? She shook her head. Percy, I'm really sorry. We were silent while the waves tossed us up and down. He may have survived, she said half-heartedly. I mean, fire can't kill him. I nodded, but I had no reason to feel hopeful. I'd seen the explosion rip through solid iron. If Tyson had been down in the boiler room, there was no way he could have lived. He'd given his life for us, and all I could do, all I could think about, was the times I'd felt embarrassed by him and denied that the two of us were even related. Waves lapped at the boat. Annabeth showed me some things she'd salvaged from the wreckage. Hermes thermos, now empty. A Ziploc bag full of ambrosia and a couple sailor's shirts. A bottle of Dr. Pepper. She fished me out of the water and found my knapsack bitten in half by Scylla's teeth. Most of my stuff had floated away, but I still had Hermes' bottle of multivitamins. And, of course, I had Riptide. The ballpoint pen always appeared back in my pocket, no matter where I lost it. We sailed for hours. Now that we were in the sea of monsters, the water glittered a more brilliant green, like hydra acid. The wind smelled fresh and salty, but it carried a strange metallic scent, too, as if a thunderstorm were coming, or something even more dangerous. I knew what direction we needed to go. I knew we were exactly 113 nautical miles west by northwest of our destination, but that didn't make me feel any less lost. No matter which way we turned, the sun seemed to shine straight into my eyes. We took turns sipping from the Dr. Pepper, shading ourselves with the sail as best as we could, and we talked about my latest dream of Grover. By Annabeth's estimate, we had less than 24 hours to find Grover, assuming my dream was accurate. And assuming this Cyclops Polyphemus didn't change his mind and tried to marry Grover earlier. Yeah, I said bitterly, you can never trust a Cyclops. Annabeth stared across the water. I'm sorry, Percy. I was wrong about Tyson, okay? I wish I could tell him that. I tried to stay mad at her, but it wasn't easy. We had been through a lot together. She saved my life plenty of times. It was stupid of me to resent her. I looked down at her measly possessions, the empty wound thermos, the bottle of multivitamins. I thought about Luke's look of rage when I tried to talk to him about his dad. Annabeth, what's Chiron's prophecy? She pursed her lips. Percy, I shouldn't. I know Chiron promised the gods he wouldn't tell me. But you didn't promise, did you? Knowledge isn't always a good thing for you. Your mom is the wisdom goddess! I know, but every time heroes learn the future, they try to change it. It never works. The gods are worried about something I'll do when I get older, I guess. Something when I turn 16. Annabeth twisted her Yankees cap in her hands. Percy, I don't know the full prophecy, but it warns about a half-blood, child of the big three. The next one who lives to the age of 16. The real reason Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades swore a pact after World War II not to have any more kids. The next child of the big three who reaches 16 will be a dangerous weapon. Why? Because that hero will decide the fate of Olympus. He or she will make a decision that either saves the ages of the gods or destroy it. I let that sink in. I don't get seasick, but suddenly I felt ill. That's why Kronos didn't kill me last summer. She nodded. You could be very useful to him. If he can get you on his side, the gods will be in serious trouble. But if it's me in the prophecy, we'll only know that if you survive three more years. It can be a long time for Half-Blood.
When Chiron first learned about Talia, he assumed she was the one in the prophecy. That's why he was so desperate to get her safely to camp. Then she went down fighting and got turned into a pine tree, and none of us knew what to think, until you came along. On our port side, a spiky green dorsal fin about 15 feet long curled out of the water and disappeared. This kid in the prophecy, he or she couldn't be like, a cyclops? I asked. The big three have lots of monster children. Annabeth shook her head. The oracle said half-blood. That always means half-human and half-god. There's really nobody alive who it could be, except for you. Then why do the gods even let me live? It would be safer to kill me. You're right. Thanks. A lot. Percy, I don't know. I guess some gods would like to kill you, but they're probably afraid of offending Poseidon. Other gods? Maybe they're still watching you, trying to decide what type of hero you're going to be. You could be a weapon for their survival after all. The real question is, what will you do in three years? What decisions will you make? Did the prophecy give any hints? Annabeth hesitated. Maybe she would have told me more, but just then a seagull swooped down out of nowhere and landed on her makeshift mast. Annabeth looked startled as the bird dropped a cluster of leaves under her lap. Land, she said. There's land nearby. I sat up. Sure enough, there was a line of blue and brown in the distance. Another minute, and I could make out an island with small mountains in the center and a dazzling white collection of buildings, a beach dotted with palm trees, and a harbor filled with strange assortments of boats. The current was pulling our rowboat towards what looked like a tropical paradise. Welcome, said the lady with the clipboard. She looked like a flight attendant. Business blue suit, perfect makeup, hair pulled back in a ponytail. She shook her hands as we stepped onto the dock. With a dazzling smile she gave us, I would have thought we had just gotten off the Princess Andromeda rather than a banged-up rowboat. Then again, our rowboat wasn't the weirdest ship in port. Along with a bunch of pleasure yachts, there was a U.S. Navy submarine, several dugout canoes, and an old-fashioned three-masted sailing ship. There was a helipad with a Channel 5 Fort Lauderdale helicopter on it, and a short runway with a Learjet and propeller plane that looked like World War II fighters. Maybe they were replicas for tourists to look at or something. Is this your first time with us? The clipboard lady inquired. Annabeth and I exchanged looks. Annabeth said, um... First time at spa, the lady said as she wrote on her clipboard. Let's see. She looked us up and down critically. Hmm, a herbal wrap to the start for the young lady. And, of course, a complete makeover for the young gentleman. A what? I asked. She was too busy jotting down notes to answer. Right, she said with a breezy smile. Well, I'm sure Cece will want to speak with you personally before the luau. Come on, please. Now, here's the thing. Annabeth and I were used to traps, and usually those traps look good at first, so I expected the clipboard lady to turn into a snake or a demon or something any minute. But on the other hand, we had been floating in a rowboat for most of the day. I was hot, tired, and hungry, and when this lady mentioned a luau, my stomach sat up on its hind legs and begged like a dog. I guess it couldn't hurt, Annabeth muttered. Of course it could, but we followed the lady anyway. I kept my hand in my pockets where I stashed my only magical devices, Hermes multivitamins and Riptide. But the further we wandered into the resort, the more I forgot about them. This place was amazing. There were white marble and blue water everywhere I looked. Terrences climbed up the side of the mountains with swimming pools on every level, connected by water slides and waterfalls, and underwater tubes you could swim through. Fountains sprayed water into the air, forming impossible shapes like flying eagles and galloping horses. 
Tyson loved horses. I knew he'd love these fountains. I almost turned around to see the expression on his face before I remembered Tyson was gone. You okay? Annabeth asked me. You look pale. I'm okay. I lied. Let's just keep walking. We passed all kinds of tame animals. A sea turtle napped in a sack of beach towels. A leopard stretched out asleep on a diving board. The resort guests, only young women, as far as I could see, lounged in deck chairs, drinking fruit smoothies or reading magazines while herbal gunk dried on their faces and manicurists in white uniforms did their nails. As we headed up a staircase toward what looked like the main building, I heard a woman singing. Her voice drifted through the air like a lullaby. Her words were in some language other than ancient Greek, but just as old. Minoan, maybe, or something like that. I could understand what she sang about. Moonlight and the olive groves, the colors of sunrise, the magic, something about magic. Her voice seemed to lift me off the steps and carried me towards her. We came into a big room where the whole front wall was windows. The back wall was covered in mirrors, so the room seemed to go on forever. There was a bunch of expensive-looking white furniture, and on a table in one corner was a large wire pet cage. The cage seemed out of place, but I didn't think too much about it, because just then I saw the lady who had been singing, and whoa. She sat at a loom the size of a big screen TV, her hands weaving colored thread back and forth with amazing skill. The tapestry shimmered like it was three-dimensional, a waterfall scene so real I could see the water moving and clouds drifting across a fabric. Annabeth caught her breath. It's beautiful. The woman turned. She was even prettier than her fabric. Her long, dark hair was braided with threads of gold. She had piercing green eyes, and she wore a silky black dress with shapes that seemed to move in the fabric. Animal shadows, black upon black, like a deer running through the forest at night. You appreciate my weaving, my dear? The woman asked. Oh, yes, ma'am. Annabeth said, my mother is... She stopped herself. You can't just go around announcing that your mom was Athena, the goddess who invented the loom. People would lock you in a rubber room. Our hostess just smiled. You have a good taste, my dear. I'm so glad that you've come. My name is Cece. The animals in the corner of the cage started squealing. They must have been guinea pigs from the sound of them. We introduced ourselves to Cece. She looked me over with a twing of disapproval, as if I'd failed some kind of a test. Immediately, I felt bad. For some reason, I really wanted to please this lady. Oh dear, she sighed. You do need my help. Ma'am, I asked. Cece called to the lady in the business suit. Hilla, take Annabeth on a tour, will you? Show her what we have available. The clothing will need to change. And the hair? My goodness. We will do a full image consolation after I've spoken with this young gentleman. But Annabeth's voice sounded hurt. What's wrong with my hair? Cece smiled benevolently. My dear, you are lovely. Really? But you're just not showing off yourself with all of your talents at all. So much wasted potential. Wasted? Well, surely you're not happy the way you are. My goodness, there's not a single person who is. But don't worry, we can improve anyone here at the spa. Hilla will show you what I mean. You, my dear, need to unlock your true self. Annabeth glowed with longing. I've never seen her so much at loss for words. But what about Percy? Oh, definitely, Cece said, giving me a sad look. Percy requires my personal attention. He needs much more work than you. Normally, if someone had told me that, I would have gotten angry. But when Cece said it, I felt sad. I disappointed her. I had to figure out how to do better. The guinea pigs squealed like they were hungry. Well, Annabeth said, I suppose...
Right this way, dear, Hilla said, and Annabeth allowed herself to be led away into the waterfall-laced gardens of the spa. Cece took my arm and guided me towards the mirrored wall. You see, Percy, to unlock your potential, you need serious help. The first step is to admitting that you're not happy the way you are. I fidgeted in front of the mirror. I hated thinking about my appearance, like the first zit that had cropped up on my notes at the beginning of the school year, or the fact that two of my front teeth weren't perfectly even, or that even my hair never stayed down straight. Cece's voice brought out all these things to my mind, as if she were passing me under a microscope. And my clothes were not cool. I knew that. Who cares, part of me thought. But standing in front of Cece's mirror, it was hard to see anything good in myself. There, there, Cece consulted. How about we try this? She snapped her fingers, and a sky-blue curtain rolled down over the mirror. It shimmered like the fabric on her loom. What do you see? Cece said. I looked at the blue cloth. Not sure what she meant. I don't... Then it changed colors. I saw myself. A reflection. But not a reflection. Shimmering there on the cloth was a cooler version of Percy Jackson. With just the right clothes, a confident smile on my face, my teeth were straight, no zits, and a perfect tan. More athletic. Maybe a couple inches taller? That was me. Without the faults. Whoa! I managed... Do you want that? Cece asked. Or shall I try a different? No, I said. Th- that That's amazing. Can you really? I can give you a full makeover, Cece promised. What's the catch, I said. I have to eat, like, a special diet? Oh, it's quite easy, Cece said. Plenty of fresh fruit, a mild exercise program, and, of course, this. She stepped over to her wet bar and filled a glass with water. Then she ripped open a drink mix packet and poured in some red powder. The mixture began to glow. When it faded, the drink looked like a strawberry milkshake. One of these, substituted for a regular meal. Cece said, I guarantee you will see the results immediately. How is that possible? She laughed. Why question it? I mean, don't you want the perfect you right away? Something nagged at the back of my mind. Why are there no guys at the spa? Oh, but there are, Cece assured me. You'll meet them quite soon. Just try the mixture. You'll see. I looked at the blue tapestry, at the reflection of me, but not me. Now, Percy, Cece chided. the hardest part of the makeover process is giving up control. You have to decide. Do you want to trust your judgment about what you should be or my judgment? My throat felt dry. I heard myself saying, your judgment. Cece smiled and handed me the glass. I lifted it to my lips. It tasted just as it looked, like a strawberry milkshake. Almost immediately, a warm feeling spread through my gut, and pleasant at first, but then painful, hot, searing, as if the mixture was coming to boil inside of me. I doubled over and dropped the cup. What have you- what- what's happening? Don't worry, Percy, Cece said. The pain will pass. Look! As I promised, immediate results. Something was horribly wrong. The curtain dropped away, and in the mirror, I saw my hands shrivel, curling, growling, long, delicate claws. First sprouted on my face, under my shirt, in every uncomfortable place you can think of. My teeth felt too heavy in my mouth. My clothes were getting too big. Or Cece was getting too tall. No. I was shrinking. In one awful flash, I sank into the cavern of dark clothes. I was buried in my own shirt. I tried to run, but hands grabbed me, and hands as big as I was. I tried to scream for help, but all that came out of my mouth was, Reet! 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 
A giant hand squeezed around me in the middle, lifting me into the air. I struggled and kicked with legs and arms that seemed much too stubby. And then I was staring, horrified, into the enormous face of Cece. Perfect, her voice boomed. I squirmed in alarm, but she only tightened her grip around my furry belly. See, Percy, you've unlocked your true self. She held me up to the mirror, and what I saw made me scream in terror. Read! 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 There is Cece, beautiful and smiling, holding a fluffy, buck-toothed creature with tiny claws and white and orange fur. When I twisted, so did the furry critter in the mirror. I was... I, I was a guinea pig, Cece said. Lovely, aren't you? Men are pigs, Percy Jackson. I used to turn them into real pigs, but they were also smelly and large and difficult to keep. Not much better than they were before, really. Guinea pigs are much more convenient. Now, come on, meet the other men. Great! I protested, trying to scratch her, but Cece squeezed me so tight I almost blacked out. None of that, little one, she scolded, or I'll feed you to the owls. Go into the cage like a good little pet. Tomorrow, if you behave, you'll be on your way. There is always a classroom in need of a new guinea pig. My mind was racing as fast as my tiny little heart. I needed to get back to my clothes, which were lying in a heap on the floor. If I could do that, I could get Riptide out of my pocket. And... And what? I couldn't uncap the pen. Even if I did, I, I couldn't hold the sword. I squirmed helplessly as Cece brought me over to the guinea pig cage and opened the wire door. Meet my discipline problems, Percy, she warned. They'll never make good classroom pets, but they might teach you some manners. Most of them have been in this cage for 300 years, and if you don't want to stay with them permanently, I suggest you... Annabeth's voice called, Miss Cece? Cece cursed in ancient Greek. She plopped me into the cage and closed the door. I squealed and clawed at the bars, but it was no good. I watched as Cece hurriedly kicked my clothes under the loom just as Annabeth came in. I almost didn't recognize her. She was wearing a sleeveless silk dress like Cece's, only white. Her blonde hair was newly washed and combed and braided with gold. Worst of all, she was wearing makeup, which I never thought Annabeth would be caught dead in. I mean, she looked good, really good. I probably wouldn't have been tongue-tied if I could have said anything except ree, ree, ree. But there is something totally wrong about it. It just wasn't Annabeth. She looked around the room and frowned. Where's Percy? I squealed up a storm, but she didn't seem to hear me. Cece smiled. He's having one of her treatments, my dear. Not to worry. You look wonderful. What do you think about giving you a tour? Annabeth's eyes brightened. Your library is amazing. Yes, indeed, Cece said. The best knowledge of the past three millennia. Anything you want to study? Anything you want to be, my dear. An architect? Pah! Cece said, you, my dear, have the makings of a sorceress, like me. Annabeth took a step back. A, a sorceress? Yes, my dear. Cece held up her hand. A flame appeared in her palm and danced across her fingertips. My mother is Hecate, the goddess of magic. I know a daughter of Athena when I see one. We are not so different, you and I. We both seek knowledge. We both admire greatness. Neither of us need to stand in the shadow of men. I... I don't understand. Again, I squealed my best trying to get Annabeth's attention, but she either couldn't hear me or didn't think the noises were important. Meanwhile, the other guinea pigs were emerging from their hutch to check me out. I didn't think it was possible for guinea pigs to look so mean, but these did. There were half a dozen with dirty fur, cracked teeth, and beady red eyes. They were covered with shavings and smelled like they really had been here for 300 years without getting their cage cleaned. 
Stay with me, Cece was telling Annabeth. Study with me. You can join our staff. Become a sorceress. Learn to bend others to your will. You will become immortal. But, but... You're too intelligent, my dear, Cece said. You know better than to trust that silly camp for heroes. How many great female half-blood heroes can you name? Um, Atlanta, Amelia Earhart... Men get all the glory. Cece closed her fist and extinguished the magic flame. The only way to gain power for women is sorcery. Medea, Calypso, now they are were powerful women. And me, of course, the greatest of all. You, Cece, Circe. Yes, my dear. Annabeth backed up and Circe laughed. No need to worry. I mean you no harm. What have you done to Percy? I only helped him realize his true form. Annabeth scanned the room. Finally, she saw the cage and me scratching at the bars. All the other guinea pigs crowded around me. Her eyes went wide. Forget him, Cersei said. Join me and learn the ways of sorcery. But your friend will be well cared for. He will be shipped to a wonderful new home on the mainland. The kindergartners will adore him. Meanwhile, you will be wise and powerful. You will have all that you ever wanted. Annabeth was still staring at me, but she had a dreamy expression on her face. She looked the same way I had when Cersei enchanted me into drinking the guinea pig milkshake. I squealed and scratched, trying to warn her to snap out of it, but I was absolutely powerless. Let me think about it, Annabeth murmured. Just give me a minute alone to say goodbye. Of course, my dear, Cersei cooed. One minute. Oh, and so you have absolute privacy? She waved her hand and the iron bar slammed down over the windows. She swept out of the room, and I heard locks on the doors click shut behind her. The dreamy look melted off Annabeth's face. She rushed over to my cage. All right, which one is you? I squealed, but so did all the other guinea pigs. Annabeth looked desperate. She scanned the room and spotted the cuff of my jeans sticking out from under the loom. Yes! She rushed over and rummaged through my pockets, but instead of bringing out Riptide, she found the bottle of Hermes multivitamins and started struggling with the cap. I wanted to scream at her that this was not the time for taking supplements. She had to draw the sword. She popped a lemon chewable in her mouth just as the door flew open and Cersei came back in and flanked by two of her business-suited attendants. Well, Cersei sighed, how fast a minute passes. What's your answer, my dear? This, Ambeth said. She drew her bronze knife. The sorceress stepped back, but her surprise passed quickly. She sneered, really, little girl, a knife against my magic? Is that wise? Cersei looked back at her attendants, who smiled. They raised their hands, as if preparing to cast a spell. Run! I wanted to tell Annabeth, but all I could do was make rodent noises. And the other guinea pigs squealed in terror and scowled around the cage. I had the urge to panic and hide, too, but I had to think of something. I couldn't stand to lose Annabeth the same way I had lost Tyson. What will Annabeth's makeover be? Cersei mused. Something small and ill-tempered. I know! A shrew! Blue fire coiled from her fingers, curling like a serpent around Annabeth. I watched, horror-struck, but nothing happened. Annabeth was still Annabeth, only angrier. She leapt forward and struck the point of her knife against Cersei's neck. How about turning me into a panther instead? One that has claws at your throat. How? Cersei yelped. Annabeth held up the bottle of vitamins for the sorceress to see. Cersei howled in frustration. Curse Hermes and his multivitamins. There is such a fad. They do nothing for you. Turn Percy back into a human or else, Annabeth said. I can't. Then you asked for it. Cersei's attendant stepped forward, but their mistress said, get back. She's immune to magic until that cursed vitamin wears off. 
Annabeth dragged Cersei over to the guinea pig cage and knocked the top off and poured the rest of the vitamins inside. No! Cersei screamed. I was the first to get a vitamin, but all the other guinea pigs scuttled out too and checked out this new food. The first nibble and I felt all fiery inside. I gnawed at the vitamin until it stopped looking so huge. And the cage got smaller and then all of a sudden, bang! The cage exploded. I was sitting on the floor, human again, somehow back in my regular clothes, thank the gods, with six other guys who all looked disoriented, blinking and chicking wood shavings out of their hair. No! Hersey screamed. You don't understand. Those are the worst! One of the men stood up, a huge guy with long, tangled, pitch-black beard and teeth that were the same color. He wore mismatched clothes of wool, leather, high knee-length boots, and floppy felt hat. The other men were dressed more simply, in breeches and stained white shirts. All of them were barefoot. Arg! bellowed the big man. What's the witch done to me? No! Cersei moaned. Annabeth gasped. I recognize you! Edward Teach, son of Ares. I last, the big man growled. Most of them called me Blackbeard. And there's the sorceress that captured us, lads. Run her through. And then I mean to find me a big bowl of celery. Arg! Cersei screamed, and her attendants ran from the room, chased by the pirates. Annabeth sheathed her knife and glared at me. Th thanks, I faltered. I I'm really sorry. Before I could figure out how to apologize for being such a big idiot, she tackled me with a hug, then pulled away just as quickly. I'm glad you're not a guinea pig. Me too. I hope my face was not as red as it felt. She undid the golden braids in her hair. Come on, seaweed brain, she said. We have to get away while Cersei's distracted. We ran down the hillside towards the terraces, past screaming spa workers and pirates ransacking the resort. Blackbeard's men broke the tiki torches for the luau, threw herbal wraps into the swimming pool, and kicked over tables of sauna towels. I almost felt bad for letting the unruly pirates out, but I guess they deserve something more entertaining than the exercise wheel after being cooped up in a cage for three centuries. Which ship, Annabeth said as we reached the docks. I looked around desperately. We couldn't very well take out our rowboat. We had to get off the island fast. But what else could we use? A sub? A fighter jet? I couldn't pilot any of those things. And then I saw it. There, I said. Annabeth blinked. But I can make it work. How? I couldn't explain. I just somehow knew that an old sailing vessel was the best bet for me. I grabbed Annabeth's hand and pulled her towards the three-mast ship. Painted on its prow was the name that I could only could only decipher later. Queen Anne's Revenge. Arg! Blackbeard yelled somewhere behind us. Those scalawags are aboard my vessel! Get him, lads! We're never gonna get there in time, Annabeth yelled as we climbed aboard. I looked around at the hopeless maze of sails and ropes. The ship was in great condition for a 300-year-old vessel, but it would still take a crew of 50 in several hours to get underway. And we didn't have several hours. I could see the pirates running down the stairs, waving tiki torches and sticks of celery. I closed my eyes and concentrated on the waves, lapping over the hull, the ocean currents, the winds around me. Suddenly, the right word appeared in my mind. Mizzenmast! I yelled. Annabeth looked at me like I was nuts. But in the next second, the air was filled with whistling sounds of ropes being snapped taut, canvases unfurling, and wooden pulleys creaking. Annabeth ducked as a cable flew over her head and wrapped itself around the bowsprit. Percy, how? I didn't have an answer, but I could feel the ship responding to me, as if it were part of my body. I willed the sails to rise as easily as if I was flexing my arm. I willed the rudder to turn. The Queen Anne's Revenge lurched away from the dock, and by the time the pirates arrived at the water's edge, we were already underway sailing into the Sea of Monsters.